Welcome to Wrestling With Heart, a podcast looking at pro wrestlers giving back to their community. Join me, Stanley Carr, as I interview wrestling's hottest names who use their platforms as entertainers to raise awareness and do community service. Before you became a wrestler, you were a teacher. Tell me about that. I was, a school, I was just a school teacher and a football coach. Uh, uh, my brother was a lifer, football coach, basketball coach, and a teacher. So I didn't, you know, that was, hell, I didn't know what to do. What do you do? You go to college and, and become a teacher and coach a little bit until <laughs> until you start wrestling. Did you? Then, I remember I remember then, then one week I was working for uh, uh, Dick the Bruiser. I worked Dick the Bruiser in Danville, Illinois on Friday night. I drove all night and did Kansas City TV. I did St. Joe TV that night. Then I drove to St. Louis the next day and did uh, two tapes at the Chase, worked against Flair and, uh, and Dick Murdoch. And the next day I went back to my principal and I said, fish lips. I said, uh, uh, I'm retiring from school teaching. I said, take my sick days, my personal days after that, just dot me. Cause I, my ass ain't going to be around here. I gotta say though, like when you were teaching, I bet it was, I bet it was somewhat, you know, exhausting and stressful cause you had to put up with a lot of kids. Oh my God. No matter what year it is. Oh, I used to hurt them without, without showing them, putting marks on them. Oh, I knew how to do that. Okay. What um what grades did you teach? Oh, I taught seventh and eighth, and I coached at the high school. Wow, middle school. I remember I I, 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 I high school. Show, I was wrestling a show in Indianapolis for Dick the Bruiser, and one, one of the kids I had in seventh grade, he goes he goes, Mister Shire, you're wrestling. I said, uh, Yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, that's like the the worst kept secret, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Now, then all of a sudden I was the God at school, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm guessing, you know, based on our conversation so far, did, did you prefer being a heel? Oh, yes. Baby face is, is boring. It's, it's nothing creativity. You, you learn to sell and to do your basics, have a little fire. Healing's where it's at. I remember one night we was in Johnson's. We used to run Johnson City, Tennessee every Tuesday night. I had all the heels in the car. It was me, Gary Rolpez, Ricky Starr, and somebody else, and we showed up, and something happened to the car. We're 90 minutes late for the show. Ronnie Garvin had been in the ring for 90 minutes with this big guy that does TV, about a 300-pound guy named Tony Peters. Oh, man. The ring had broken down. The place was standing. <laughs> I was, we got there. We ran in the back door with our, our bags, our suitcases. We tried to hit Garvin. He beat the shit out of all of us. We all ran back to the dressing room, and that was the end of the show. You could not top that, right? No, not at all. We knew it. See, we knew improv. <laughs> we knew improv. Yeah. And that's the shit you can't never forget. It's the times of your life, the adrenaline, the stories you got, the memories you had. God. Oh, and this is the nicest I've ever been on the phone talking because you know how I usually talk. Oh yeah. If you've ever, if you've ever watched my podcast on, uh, wrestling with Rip Rogers on YouTube, uh, yeah, I'm pretty, you can get I'm pretty into I, it. I got, huh? you can get into it. You wrestled all over the world. Uh, you also got to work for WCW. Any memories there? Well, I used to run towns for Ole Anderson. So I was that I had a beard for years and I shaved my beard off because Ole wanted me to shave it off because I was a promoter all of a sudden. So all of a sudden, uh, 
uh, I'd have like five days of the month and I'd run at line up like five shows in a row. So I might, all the guys you saw on, because you don't want to have guys under contract that are not wrestling. Right. You got to, it, I mean, you don't play in the NFL and not practice, do no, you? No, of course You got to have, get, that's like every sport. You got to practice and play games. So when the COVID shit started and, and all of a sudden these wrestling companies running once a week or whatever, and uh, AEW has got guys that have never even wrestled there and they're under contract. They in any sport. It must have been hard to be a professional wrestler and get signed in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. That's scary. If you don't practice, you can't get... Can you imagine playing in the NBA? But Oh, oh yeah, we, we have one game a week, but we don't practice. No. No, it's impossible. It, it ain't happening. And in wrestling, you lose it very quickly. And your body gets in bump shape quickly. But then you take a week off. Oh, then you can hardly move. And, you know, oh, it's horrible. But that's this is the job that we wanted to be in, and this is a job we love. Right. And because of because of pro wrestling, I started boxing when I was in my 40s. Ooh. But me. I had all the charisma. I couldn't fight a lick, but people didn't know that. Was it easy to make the transition or hard from being a wrestler to a boxer? Well, well it's hard to believe. It's hard to go out there and when you're doing something not re- – you can be looking like, looking like I'm killing you and I'm not touching you. And that's the way wrestling's supposed to be. And then in boxing, I'll go out there and I'm throwing punches that ain't really hitting him. <laughs> You're just like, <laughs> well, no, it's just, uh, it's, you, you, no, I can miss you by an, by an eighth of an inch. <laughs> I mean, that's what's called being, that's what's called being good. Yeah. Were you able to get the training you needed to go into boxing? I just did it. You just did. Okay. I was forty. I was forty-one. My first fight, I think. Wow. But I had like like four of them. So uh, what the hell, right? You only go through life one time. Anybody who was in the wrestling business was either was either part criminal, were missing a card, or just too lazy to have a real job, and they wanted to sleep late or whatever. And all you had to do, all you got to do, is basically shut up, do a little bit of training, half-ass eat right, and hang guys will help you. Because the guy you helped on the way up, he might get some power, and he guys, and he's helping you later on in your in your years. Well, yeah, I mean it's all about giving back, and right, you know it's all about giving back and and, and serving your community and uh, making sure the world is a better place. And you know you became the head trainer at OVW Ohio Valley Wrestling in Louisville, Kentucky. Former heavyweight champion, Southern Tag Team champion. Tell me about how you got involved with OVW. Well, I, I used to work there because I was buddies with Danny Davis. And then me and Danny Davis became business partners. And in, uh, for 20-some years, I worked there. And then about two years ago when COVID, I just I got tired of it. A lot of it, a lot of it is uh, I, I, I'm very strict when I teach. I'm a yeller. I'm a screamer. I also can take guys off the street. And I've got... 70 some people basically in WWE that started in the, that started in the beginner's class. That's what I'm saying. Mm. You remember the spirit squad, like Mike Mondo and Johnny Jeter, remember Santino Morella, Mm -hmm. uh, like Serena, like, uh, got all these guys that come in. Uh, we talked about one of them, Randy Orton. No, no. Randy was on contract. Okay. Now, Randy was on contract, so I was training the contract guys. 
but I was training these other guys that started in our beginners class. Then they, and then they trained through me and they ended up getting all these jobs with, with, uh, with WWE as, uh, as wrestlers, as, uh, uh, like Pat Buck is in, he's a, he's a producer for AEW. He quit WWE. Uh, and then, uh, God, Rump Thump, he's a, he, he's a ref, he's a referee in AEW now. Uh, but I had guys, guys, uh, girl wrestlers, guy wrestlers, uh, managers, uh, you name it, have anything to do with wrestling. You can't go up to the big leagues where guys are going to pick on you. You got to be able to take it. It's like you're going to Vietnam and you're an 18 year old pussy. And you're going to have be in a foxhole and people will be trying to kill you. And I got to toughen you up no matter what to give you a chance to survive in this dog eat dog world of professional wrestling. Yeah. So that was, that was why I did all that. Well, yeah, you had to, you have to prepare people for what's to come because if they're, if you don't, then you're going to get sucked in right away. Right. And then they're just, uh, they can't compete. They're, 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 they're skull fucked. Excuse me. Everybody picks on them, manipulate them. They don't even know it. It's an, Hey, it's an evil world out there, baby. And only, and only the tough ones survive. Only the strong survive. Is that what? That's it, baby. So, okay. So OVW, you've trained a lot of people. A lot of big names came out of OVW and you said you worked with the contract guys too. Yeah. Wow. I mean, look at, look at how like guys like Orton, Cena, Lesnar, uh, Batista, all of oh, them. Batista, Batista's a movie show, Shelton, Shelton Benjamin. Yep. You know, a, a lot of guys, they would give guys and they would, they'd hang out for about a year or whatever. Then they'd get cut. They just release them. They wasn't, didn't have the right attitude or they just wasn't picking it up quick enough or he was too much like somebody else or you just didn't know. Or this guy, this guy was one of somebody's favorites. Uh, you just didn't, you just didn't know about it, you know, Anything, and, yeah. and you didn't know some of the guys like Mike Mondo, he's done more hour matches than anybody I've ever, ever had. And when, and then he would have, he would take, I, I go to seminars and I, or, uh, and I'd have, uh, that's like, uh, Damian Adams is in, uh, Wharton, New Jersey, and he's trained all the best girls. And all his girls get contracts. And uh, and I always do seminars for him. But I always say he's the world's greatest women's trainer. But just because you're a good wrestler don't mean you're going to get a push. I heard that you also got to train Pat McAfee. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, well, Pat, uh, Pat lives about seven minutes from me. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And he's got a... Uh, he had a ring in his, uh, in his, ba- well, in his, in his, like his barn. So I took a bunch of guys that I've been training at OVW in, and we go over there and train Pat. Hmm. Pat was a natural, Pat was a natural. All he wanted to ever do was be a wrestler. And he was, yeah, he still, he'll still, still, he'll still keep me in, in contact with me and he'll, he'll pull one up over. I used to be on, the, on the Pat McAfee show there with him. Uh, I got my own podcast, which you watch that. And, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, Pat's got about two, probably two million followers or whatever. Pat's the human talking machine. Oh, he, yeah. could do a 20, he could do a 20-minute promo talking about nothing. <laughs> and it'd be, the, 
world's greatest promo. And uh, every once in a while, he did, or last year, he called me and says, hey, you know what a cash app is? I said, no, what's cash app? He said, we'll get one. I said, yeah, okay. I didn't know what one was. He calls it back. Did you get a cash app? I said, no. I said, get one. I said, well, I, don't, I told you I don't know what the hell they are. I still think it's 1972. You know that. So then I got one. Then he started. Then he would send me a bunch of money for no reason. I'm old. I'm old enough to remember when VHS tapes were the norm. <laughs> yeah, it's, all my tapes are on VHS tapes. You know what's about five, four or five years ago? I went. I went to Caulfield Alley Club. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. the wrestling thing. Yeah. When I went there, there was a flood. There was a storm. My basement flooded. My sump pump didn't work. Every tape I had, every picture I had since I was born. As regular Mark Shira or Rip Rogers wrestling stuff, scrapbooks, I lost everything. Oh, that that had to have been devastating. No shit, Sherlock. All these programs from everywhere, all over the world, looking back, all your memories and shit, you know. Then it's all of a sudden it's gone. I'm so sorry. But you can't take it with you, so what the hell, right? <laughs> I did it. It's got to be something's got to be somewhere on the internet. Yeah, but... uh. No, Pat's Pat's the most unique person I've ever met in my life. I got to see he's he's a good Joe. For sure. I got to see him wrestle um I live in Nashville, so I got to see him wrestle uh Baron Corbin at SummerSlam last year. Uh he really could he could hold his own in there, no doubt about it. In wrestling I I I'd tell you, most of the most of the heels are really the great guys. The baby faces are the assholes. And a lot of the guys you think are great aren't, and the ones you think aren't are. But until you get in there, you will never know. Some guys are just so good. And you go, well, this guy, everyone's a match on TV. Well, that's why he's there. He can make everybody look good. Sometimes you're too good <laughs> that they make you be bad so that uh, to pull somebody else up because they're not any good. Well, it's interesting, you know, you say that because, you know, the WWF in the 80s was very babyface heavy. I mean, you had Hogan, you had Sergeant Slaughter, and all these different guys that were like, you know, colorful, you know, Macho Man at one point was a babyface. But they all, now listen, now think, they all came in as heels first, didn't they? They did. Oh, yeah. See, here's what you do. Now, here's what nobody ever thinks about. It's hard for a baby face to get, besides Ricky Steamboat, Yeah, hard to get over as a baby face. It takes so long. So come in as a heel, kick ass. Now you're an animated character. And they hate you. So that when you turn good, they love you. It's a science. Yes. It's very, it's a science. And it's still, it's, it still works. All they got to do is... See, years ago, you wouldn't hotshot all the time because then you would burn out. So you would, it's like ECW would hotshot. Too much of one thing leads to people, they never drew a house, they never drew a big rate, they never drew a rating. And every match, there's like too much violence. We're wrestling, me and you could wrestle clean for 15 minutes. All of a sudden, I hit you with a closed fist, and all of a sudden, you're knocked out, and they're bringing the they're bringing the the stretcher out because I hit you with one punch. 
it's all how you know how to do it. it's called it's psychology it is it's think of the old monster movies in black and white you never saw frankenstein really bite nobody's head off there's never any violence it's all the looking like it's violence right the shadows <laughs> the slow the music the slow motion the selling right the facial the intensity yes and wrestling's the same way it is but like I tell all the guys, I said, look, let everybody else do their stupid dives for no fucking reason. Be skinny, fat nerds. And you go out there and give them a good, basic, solid thing. And when you hit whatever big move that is, you treat it like you're dead. And that's how you get over. Not doing, oh, 22 false finishes and each one is 2.9. And then you make the stir, you make the stupid, oh, my God, I can't believe you kicked out of that. Holy shit. This shit is so easy, but it takes years and years and years for that lights for that light bulb finally comes on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then once you learn it, you don't deviate because it works. Is there anybody today that you feel has the potential to be an incredible heel if we're talking about bad guys? Uh <coughs> oh, as a bad guy, all a bad guy's gotta do is to get a is do what his mentor tells him and he won't understand it in a few years he will and the hardest thing in wrestling is slow down slow down look left look right uh oh something's going to happen <laughs> <laughs> and change your booking around I was a booker in Kansas City. I was a booker in Puerto Rico. When the ref bumps down, when the ref gets knocked down, sometimes he gets back up and continues the match. If the ref gets knocked down, sometimes he gets hurt. Somebody else comes in and finishes the match. When the ref gets knocked down, sometimes he gets knocked down. It looks like he's hurt. The guy comes in. He waves him off and said, no, I got this. And all of a sudden, it used to be there would be a, a, the ref would bump and everybody would turn around and look to the back. What we've done was we Pavlog dogged it, where now where they know what everything is. So you change it. Yeah. It's, for, it's very, I, I've never had a match where I've duplicated the match of, uh, in my life. I look and I read the crowd. What do they want to see? What have they already seen? Oh, this was the finish in the first match. I know. I'll, okay, these are the finish of the first four matches. I'm on fifth. I'll use them first, and I'll do them four. I'll do four finish. I'll do four false finishes, and the ones that are false finish me, they're the ones that all won a match. Holy shit! <laughs> and this ain't something that I thought up. This is something that some other old guy told me about twenty years ago. Wow. Anything, anything old is new again to a new audience. That's right. You got to cycle right through it. That's right. So outside of, um, you know, you were a football coach and a teacher. You've, you work at OVW. Tell me about some of the other stuff you've done to, that you've uh, helped out with in your community. Well, I used to run wrestling shows and for, uh, for guys that were uh, – 
they needed special help, special needs kids. And I go, and we had three shows at the high school that all did three shows in a row do over a thousand people, which is a lot considering, uh, I was doing the work. And this guy that I do podcast with Vaughn Lilas, him, his dad was a principal there. Mm-hmm. So he would, they would, I'd be on the road. I'd come home for Christmas usually. And over the Christmas break, I'd have, we'd have a show there. It's very, and we had, but, but anyway, it's just, it's just fun. You know, I, I love wrestling. We ran probably four shows a week and, uh, television shows. We had, we had a OVW TV show. We had a DCW TV show, which was Derby city wrestling TV. And then we had, uh, shows for the contract classes and then we had shows for the guys that wasn't on contract too so we was busy running towns running shows there was it was wrestling oriented every day so and i did that for 22 years there and then uh i just said "Uh, i'm done so i still do seminars i still go to other guys schools uh just to train i still on the phone with everybody that, that that i know uh, solving their fucking problems or telling me what they're getting in, what they're getting into, how they should do this, how they should present a different angle or whatever, uh, how they get frustrated with the wrestling business, how you're up and down as in life every day. It's the world's greatest business. And I've seen guys that guys that I know killed them. Didn't see him, but the guys that have killed themselves committed suicide because they looked they looked at themselves as failures when it's not a real business. Why do you feel so passionate about helping other people and helping out in your community? Well, it's like everybody had to help me. When I was a fat little kid, here's a guy in Seymour who I looked up to, Dan Pollard, and he looks, and he's jacked, lifting weights and everything, and he helped me. So I had to, so here I am, a fat little kid. Now all of a sudden I'm a, uh, uh, guest posing at the Mr. Puerto Rico physique contest. I'm winning physique contest. And then I just became a training nut. I'm 69 years old. I went to the gym three hours today. You can't, you're, you're still all hurt. Your joints are messed up. Your knees are shot. Your hips are shot. You can't hardly do anything, but you feel good. The endorphins start going and you feel better. I don't, don't do drugs, drink alcohol or whatever. But no, I got to wrestle all over the world. God, met so many people, had so much fun, had so many good times. When when you're not wrestling, you go into a little bit of depression. So I remember I had to I had to train a couple guys from home because I've been on the road and but I couldn't have a conversation with anybody in town because I wasn't I wasn't normal. <laughs> you had to, you had to be had a little bit of a criminal in you and a little bit of uh uh go on the road and do a little, do, do whatever. You know what I mean? I guess it's a little, I guess you could say it makes the world a little more interesting when you have good people and bad people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a good way of putting it. So. <laughs> hey, uh, Rip, this has been incredible getting to talk to you about your life and life in the wrestling business. Where could people find more about you on social media? Let me see. Hustler two, seven, five, four on, uh, on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hustler2754. I got Instagram, but hell, I can't remember what it is. I got Facebook. I can't remember that, that stuff either. So, uh, 
uh, and you got a that's, that's, oh like oh you can hey you can get your uh, hustler rip rogers t-shirts from pro wrestlingtees.com if you're in Seymour or you can uh, and you can get my book uh, from amazon.com wrestling or uh, uh, wrestling with rip rogers I think that's what it is yeah <laughs> and, and you've got a podcast and I got the podcast on uh, uh, was that wrestling with rip I get I get confused whatever it is wrestling wrestling with rip rogers yeah, that's on, on YouTube. So I'm a whole lot more flamboyant and uh, a lot more cuss words. but uh, Colorful language, as we like yeah, to call it. Yeah, colorful language. You can't be perfect. What the hell? No, right? no. So, hey, I'm 69 years old. I've already done all my, I've done all my uh, what are you, things you want to do? What, they, what are they called? The things you want to do in life or bucket whatever? Bucket list. Your bucket list. Yeah, your bucket. Yeah, I've, I've done everything. Yeah. So, uh, what the hell, right? Just enjoy life. So. Yeah, if I croak, what you know, the last you know, the last thing I did was your show. <laughs> if I croak tonight, so you, you you don't ever know. So life is so not guaranteed. The, yeah, nothing nothing's guaranteed. Nothing is. Nothing guaranteed. So if you've got a passion, the thing about I'm talking about is passion. If you got a passion for baseball, if it's working on cars, if it's acting or whatever, go and give it all for that passion. Because if you make it, you'll be the happiest guy in the world. If you don't make it, at least you tried. You don't want to look back and say you're 50 and said, I wish I would have done this. Right. Yeah, and, and, the, and the thing about it is, is father time waits on nobody. I remember when I hit 30, I said, oh, my God, I'm old. Then all of a sudden I hit 40 and I said, I'm built better at 40 than I was at 30. <laughs> and, then this, and then last month, and all of a sudden I'm 69. And you go, where in the hell did the time go? Right. So if you can have a good time and smile and laugh and treat every encounter with almost anybody you you meet, it could be the last time you see them. You don't ever know. So enjoy life on this earth. There ain't no reason to be pissed off and mad. You come into the earth with no, you come in with no money and you're going to leave with no money no matter what. So have a good time and help each other. I love don't it. be excuse. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Hey, Rip. Thanks again. This is Wrestling with Heart. I hope you found this podcast to be informative and entertaining. If you did, please hit the subscribe button and look out for the next edition.